0: So you wanna start a podcast. You feel like it's what God's putting on your heart to do, but you have no idea where to go from there. Anchor.fm is what I used to edit and to put this podcast out to you each and every week. So if you feel like that's on your heart, you don't know where to start and you want something super easy, go to anchor.fm and get started today. Welcome to season 13 of The Anchor by the Sword podcast. I cannot wait for you to hear the freedom story of the individual in today's podcast episode. I pray that it will leave you encouraged and it will also lead you to a closer relationship with God. Please share this with whoever you think needs to hear this message today. And thank you for your continued support and for listening and being with me for almost three years now. So God bless and let's do this. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. I'm really excited today because the technology that we have is allowing me to talk to an author from Singapore. And when Becca asked me to speak with her, I was like, yes, because I heard about her book and I just wanted to learn more about her. So, YGIA, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Gina. It's my pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Can you tell my listeners a little more about yourself?
1: Sure. So my name is YGIA. I live in Singapore and I am a humanitarian doctor, um, a speaker and author, and uh, my husband and I are praying about relocating uh, long term to a developing country
0: mm-hmm.
1: um to serve a lot long term. So basically, my journey is that it started as an eighteen year old when I didn't know God and I didn't know what to do with my life, honestly. and mm-hmm. it was through seeking a being greater than myself i was I was basically in a temple um worshipping idols and that was when I I felt a still small voice tell me um, I'm God but I'm not here I'm outside the temple and that was the first time I felt an invitation to kind of seek um, who God really was Mm -hmm. Uh, shortly after that I accepted Christ and even then though I had a lot of doubts about who God was who God really um, really was meant to be in my head I had all these ideas about him that didn't quite make sense Mm -hmm. but then when I finally uh, met people um, who said that you know they believed in God and they loved him I saw them live it out Mm -hmm. and one day I decided that I would take a six-week trip by myself to Nepal and stay with some girls at a children's home that was run by some missionary parents and while I was there I know that it was through no coincidence whatsoever that we were evicted traumatically. Um, You know, when we move homes, whether it's the States or Singapore, you know, we get the movers, it's things in boxes, and you kind of have a schedule and a plan. But this was just utter chaos. It was 30 girls aged between, you know, three to 12, and everybody was just packing frantically. And I soon learned that this happened year after year, every single year. I remember standing there in my little bubble of privilege, just watching my entire world shatter and fall apart while thinking about all the privileges I had back home. And at that time, I had just applied to medical school. And all these girls in the home that I had spent time and lived with, they all had the same dreams as I did. But they didn't have the opportunities to pursue them. And just as that 18-year-old girl who just came to New God, I felt him ask me, would you do something more? And I told myself, I said, what can I do? I'm 18, I have no credentials, I... I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to be accepted into medical school. What can I do really? And as the days passed and I continued to pray to God, I just felt him drop this um this idea of painting a picture book called Kite Song to raise funds for a permanent home for these girls because that's what the house parents told me they said that's what they really need. Mm-hmm. And I told myself, I can't do this. Who am I? I'm just 18. I was depressed. I was awkward. I didn't know any, but I didn't have like the connections of who's who, you know, in the Christian network. I mean, I was just really a new believer um, in, a, in a family line of, um, you know, other religions. Mm-hmm. And then as I left the airport um, from Nepal to Singapore, I remember um, that the missionary house parent, the pastor, had dropped me off. And suddenly I just ran back to the van and I told him, I said, Pastor, Pastor, I have I've, I've this idea I got to tell you. And he's and he looked at me in all sincerity and he said, I believe in this. Mm-hmm. You have to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the first time I felt like, wow, that was there was something there when he said, I believe in this. Mm-hmm. It was the power of faith without even me realizing it. And that's really why Hebrews 11, 1 is my life verse. It's faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, even before. I had confidence in myself, even though I had confidence in God, even he had seen it and believed it. He saw that this idea would birth a children's home. Mm-hmm. and so I went back to Singapore. um I started painting and and illustrating, and when i sent when I showed up at the publisher's doorstep, he just looked at them and said, "Wow, these are really bad." <laughs> I told myself, wow, like, 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 what am I going to do? So I just, um, you know, taught myself how to paint um, mm-hmm. on the aisles of the National Library. But more importantly, I think God was just showing me that it is not our abilities or our giftings that matter as much as our availability. Mm-hmm. Because in the following three months, Kite Song was published and in the next three months, over $100,000 was raised mm-hmm. to Amen. purchase the new home. Yeah, and and none of this was through my ability or my my so-called networking or my eloquence. I was honestly a depressed, awkward 18-year-old girl who had just come to know the Lord. And what that showed me was how precious the little faith we have is when we put them in the hands of a big God. Because it's not the size of our faith that matters as much as it is whom we put it in. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote Dream Brave as a culmination of a series of all the events that have happened over the past 10 years of my life, or past 20 years, showing me who God really is, even when we don't believe in ourselves, and sometimes even doubt whether He can do it for us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that, that even though somebody said that that was (laughs) awful, you just kept on going. And you're like, "Well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I love that." and you mm-hmm. said that it raised a hundred thousand dollars, you said, and it mm-hmm. built that new yeah. home. How did yeah. you how have you seen God change you from, as you described, an awkward, depressed 18 year old to who you are now
1: Wow that that is an incredible question, Gina. I don't even know where to start, but <laughs> I think so often we get blown away by gifts that we forget that character is just as important mm-hmm. and I've been through a series of different milestones in my life where I truly saw how important it is for us to really anchor ourselves deep in the Lord so shortly after um you know this whole thing happened and it, it felt so miraculous I was kind of swept up in the miraculousness of it um but it it, it was very bizarre to me that uh, in medical school Midway um, I developed severe anorexia and and depression. It became full blown and I asked God. I said, how did this happen? Like I thought I was a believing, you know, um good, faithful Christian. Why would all this happen to me? And then later on as I looked back, I realized that I do have a family history of depression that runs um in 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 the line. And so when I had uh, each of my children, um there was a season of postpartum depression as well. Uh, and most recently, um, actually, while we were preparing to relocate to Africa, what happened was I unexpectedly had to go for um, a, a major surgery in my spine, in my neck. Mm-hmm. And all these events really showed me and challenged me as to whether I believed God was good in spite of all that had happened. And so I think it is actually not so much the mountaintop experiences, but the valleys that really test and challenge and mold our faith. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to encourage people who are listening that on one hand, while we are really committed to serving the Lord, I think a lot of our culture today is somewhat so enamored by the gifts and the output and productivity that we can show to the world that sometimes we forget that the best fruit that we can bear is the kind that others might not see. Mm -hmm. It just reminds me of um, tubers, you know, like potatoes in the ground. I remember when I just went through this really difficult season of going through surgery and the most unexpected time, at a time where I thought I would be most fruitful, most productive, you know, going for speaking engagements and, um, you know, preparing to move to serve God. And when this struck, And I was pretty much, uh, I lost the ability to do the things that I love, like typing and writing and exercising and cooking for a great number of weeks. I realized that God was showing me that this was a season of potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's a season of potatoes. It's a season of growing deep in the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so to answer your question, like what has happened to make me who I am today? i would say it's through walking in the valley it's gleaning those treasures of darkness that i think has really shaped me to be who i am
0: mm-hmm. yeah who have you been able to reach through your story that you may not have otherwise reached
1: today i run a ministry called kite dreams mm-hmm. um it's at kite dreams.org and it's a collection of you know sermons and messages and writings that i do for um for people when, who are discouraged or who have lost hope. And I've noticed over the years that a large majority of people who resonate and can connect with my writing are, are women, young women mm-hmm. who go through uh, similar struggles of you know, self-doubt, uncertainty, low self-esteem. And so that's really helped me to reach out to them. Um, something I've always grappled with is the idea of our identity in God. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, I, I mean, I, I've always thought that it's so important for us to, you know, overcome and walk out of, you know, whatever enslaves us. But I've also learned that through my journey, that that walking out takes time. Mm-hmm. And it's a process. It's like peeling an onion. It goes deeper and deeper. And so that process of going deeper, I feel, has allowed me to encourage people the most. At a time where I would think I would want to shirk back the most because I feel embarrassed. Oh no, why am I stuck in this again? Why am I struggling with this same old again i feel that's exactly the opportunity to actually be honest mm-hmm. and vulnerable to say that we can struggle through the same things but guess what every time we do that god does a deeper work in us yeah
0: that's so good cuz he really does yeah. through those through those mm-hmm. valleys as you said through the valley moments yeah and yes you, yes you're right a lot of people want to focus on the mountaintops but there's so many there's yeah. so much work done in that valley. The mountaintops are yeah. just the, the product of that. But the valley yeah. is where yeah. the deep work happens. Absolutely. Let's talk more about Dream Brave. You said, mm-hmm. you started to tell me offline that this was a nine-year project. So let's talk about the beginnings wow. of it. When you first, <laughs> when you first got um, the idea about this book to now it's sure. coming out today.
1: Wow. Okay. Thank you, Gina. Well, it started when my husband and I first left Singapore to live in Uganda for a year. Mm-hmm. And that was our first, it's, it's still it's kind of like midterm missions experience living in the field. And when I came back, um, God had done so many miracles that I thought I would write them into a book. Mm-hmm. And so I compiled them into something called uh, the Pearl of Great Price. And you know, my idea was to share how God uses our sufferings to build something deeper in us. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I continued writing it, I realized that people were encouraging me not to just write a book about you know that one year that the things that God did, but rather to take a zoomed out lens of what He had been doing in my whole life mm-hmm. and so, as I continued to write it, I realized that life was also unfolding, mm-hmm. and by the time it was you know many years in the pandemic had hit, I had continued writing um I felt the Lord challenge me one day and say, would you believe me for more? Mm. And that start, startled me because knowing the kind of self-confidence I had at that time, whether it was my writing or my ability, I struggled with a lot. I said, God, who's going to read this? Like we're living in a day and age where TikTok and I, Instagram is like the new thing, you know, <laughs> why would why I write matter? And I felt him challenge me to actually publish a book in the States. And then I got into another argument with him. I'm like, people don't even, people can't, my name is so hard to pronounce, you know. <laughs> it's so forgettable. It's forgettable. And I didn't realize that I carried this um, this shame inside of me. That as, uh, as a girl born in an Asian context, um, while I was growing up, I found out that I was very much anticipated to be a boy because I was the last child of the family. Mm-hmm. And um, there were no boys. And so I carried that, I carried that shame that what What good can it be? Or, you know, how, how would a name like mine, you know, actually make an impact um, in my writing? But God continued to challenge me, I continued to write. Um, by the time I had written to several different agents and publishers and gotten a ton of rejections, I told the Lord, I said, God, I don't know how to pray about this anymore, but I will just say one thing. I will pray that you will choose the publisher of of your choice for me, mm-hmm. and that's all I need. And out of all this, uh, all these different applications, you know, there were different um, publishers that came back, but the one that I really resonated with, and the one who came back first, the fastest, was actually chosen mm-hmm. of Baker Publishing House. And I thought, God, you have a real sense of humor. <laughs> that was the <laughs> one thing I prayed. God, we really chose the right publisher and chosen was the one. <laughs> and just to prove that it was him and not just coincidence, I remember right after that call, I was so um I had such a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, that I walked out of the house and just right at the woods behind my home, there was this huge rainbow in the sky. Oh. Yeah, and I just felt God was just telling me, you know, um, I, I've got I've got this.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's such a beautiful depiction. I love I love mm-hmm. how he does those little god
1: wings. They're so precious. Mm. And I think one thing this has taught me is to be patient on the journey. Mm-hmm. That sometimes when we talk about dreams, we talk about dreaming bravely. We think that you know it's it's something that needs to be birthed overnight. Mm-hmm. But what I've really learned over the years is that everything starts from a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. It started when I was 18 and I just kept the blog. It started when I just wrote, even though. I didn't have any um any idea how to do it. And mm-hmm. it's a willingness to go through that over and over again. Because I remember after I met the publisher and the agent, then I really started from ground zero again. Mm-hmm. But it was not really ground zero because God had used all the writing in all the previous years to continue to hone that skill. Yeah, so I hope that whoever's listening, if you're struggling you know, in the middle of the tunnel, you haven't seen the fruit born yet, to mm-hmm. always remember that God is still in the business. He's in the process of continuing to hold and mold and move us forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: One of the things I want to ask you, because a lot of times um, you've talked about before how somebody was like, no, this is not good. But you also have an extremely supportive spouse and other people around you. Can you talk about how important that support has been with you and the dreams that God has given to you?
1: Wow, that that, that has been incredibly important. Um, I want to address both sides, though, because it's so interesting. The first chapter of the book, Dream Brave, is called When Loved Ones Say No. Mm-hmm. So the impact that loved ones have on us, I think, is tremendous, whether they say no or yes. Mm-hmm. And I remember that when when kite song the first picture book that I did, um, the idea was birthed in me. I remember it was, it was my dad who actually said, um, it won't work. Mm. He said that you know it's it's not gonna work. You're not you're not a You don't have enough credentials. Mm. And in fact, when I asked him to go to Nepal, he actually said no too. Wow. But I'm beginning to realize that, especially over the years, I've actually seen a pattern where when it was the, one of the most difficult decisions of my life that I would face opposition, not necessarily from people who were outside my circle, but actually from the people closest to me. And it's because, mm-hmm. I mean, they they, they they love you, they want to protect you. yeah. And yet at the same time, I think that really brings us to the place where we really have to be discerning and ask the Lord, Lord, is this of you or, or not? Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, while it's so important to be accountable and submitted to leadership in our lives, It's also equally important to actually weigh that before the Lord and say, God, what is it that you want from me? And that's actually in one of the chapters where I talk about Moses. Mm -hmm. You know, when there was the edict to have all firstborn sons killed. Why did Moses' parents keep him? Clearly, it was defying the authorities of the day. And yet, there was such a submissiveness to God that, you know, there was such a reverence for this little boy, who in the end became, you know, such an amazing man of faith, mm-hmm. why did the Hebrew midwives take that risk? It was because they knew that God was in it. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, I think we need to discern, you know, when our loved ones say no, what happens. But to answer your question, what I've really been grateful for is m- my dad, who who you know initially said no in all those instances he eventually became supportive because mm-hmm. he saw God's work in my life. And he's, mm-hmm. he's still not a believer yet. Um, but I've also been blessed with Cliff, who's my husband. And mm-hmm. he has had a liver transplant from cancer and then wow. gone on to do an Ironman after that. Okay. And so he has an incredible life story of his own, mm-hmm. of risk-taking and of just simply being so submitted and obedient to God because he literally knows that he had a second chance at life. Mm-hmm. And with that knowledge, I think he's always pushed me to kind of do things in obedience. Like in during the uh, COVID-19 outbreak, I was afraid because he was immunocompromised. I was nursing a newborn at that time. I was petrified. Mm -hmm. And he told me this. He said, if God calls you to the front lines, you must say yes. Mm -hmm. And I remember pleading with him. I said, no, God would never make me do that. You know, he knows that I'm afraid and he knows that, you know, I'll put you and baby in danger and things like that. And he said, you know, why just sometimes you've got to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the right thing is brave and you got to do it even when you're scared. Mm-hmm. And that was actually how I stepped forward into the frontline work. And I never realized how important this step was because, cut the long story short, when I was 17 and was writing for, medical school application i had written something like you know i hope to work with the united nations and world health organization someday and it was through entering that frontline work that i in in the next year i was deployed to swaziland or Eswatini, as they call it today in africa with the un and the who as a as a uh, outbreak specialist Mm -hmm. and that went to show me that it's it's that little step of faith again and how important it is for us to really just embrace risk mm-hmm. while trusting that God will look after our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I was always so worried whether you know my husband and my kids um, would contract something from me. Mm-hmm. And God really has a sense of humor because while I was in the field in Africa, you know, supposedly to be the outbreak specialist like, on ground. Um, they actually got COVID back home in Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> they all did very well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's um it's God God has a has a way of you know helping us to overcome our fears. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's
0: gonna be really encouraging to people. And wow, your husband's story is encouraging as yeah. well. Um, getting that yes. second chance. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm an I'm a nurse by day. So oh. I've been in oh, wow. I've been in the medical field for 24 years, um, wow. so I've seen a lot as well, and yeah. Yeah. been around a lot. I've been a nurse for what is it, 16, soon to be 16 years. So yeah, it's wow. been yeah I've gotten to see quite a bit, but I've never um yeah. never left the country to be a nurse. But that's that's something I don't feel called to do. But I love when I get to see other people who are called to work outside their own country borders to be able to do that so as a humanitarian doctor you've talked about a couple of the places you've been has there been anywhere else that you've been
1: wow when I was in through medical school I think every time I had a break I would go on a short term kind of medical mission trip Uh so I think I've been to maybe almost 20 countries wow yeah, like you know, Indonesia, um, Philippines, um, Thailand, China, India, um, Nepal, um, just different places I think where God gave me the opportunity just to serve um mostly in like a semi-rural kind of mm-hmm. place. So I think that's what really um drew me to wanting to, you know, do this um in the next season, possibly with my family. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I love
1: that. As you've been tested
0: throughout time and as you've gone through different things, you've talked about that Hebrews 11.1 is one of your life verses. Is there any other verses that have kept you anchored?
1: Wow, that is a good question. So one of the things um, that I have really been encouraged by recently, most recently actually, is this verse from Psalms. And Mm -hmm. it actually um, tells us even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And this is from Psalms 139, verse 12. And the reason why it speaks so much to me is because when I went for um, spine surgery and um, in my neck, so unexpectedly, it reminded me that even in the darkest moments, that God's presence still floods our lives mm-hmm. and I remember um, it, you know before I had my spine surgery I was extremely active I was at the gym every morning at like 6am Um, I was cooking I was working I was writing uh, speaking just like very productive in the eyes of the world Um, and shortly after my surgery I, I couldn't do any of those things mm-hmm. but I thank God that there was one thing I could do which was to walk and he allowed me to walk. And so I would wake up at like 5.30 in the morning when it was all dark and walk in the woods behind my home. And it was in the darkness, I would feel the Lord tell me that even the darkness is not dark to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And true enough, in the dark, as I walked, I noticed things that I would otherwise never notice before. It's through my 5.30 a.m. walks that I got to see for the first time a and that's, uh, that's an animal like, uh, it's like a, what they call a gliding squirrel. One of those very odd animals, you know, that they glide from tree to tree. And it's very rare. And I got to see them like, you know, half a dozen times uh-huh. because I was up so early. Um, I got to see um the most endangered, one of the most endangered animals uh, in this part of the world, which is the pangolin. Mm-hmm. And the one I saw was like a bench, a bench long, you know. <laughs> I was through these different experiences. I know it sounds like such um strange encounters with wildlife, but God knows I love animals. And mm-hmm. when he showed that to me, it was him reminding me again mm-hmm. that these are treasures of darkness that you would never see in the day. Mm-hmm. And even in the night, I I am luminous. That if you would open your eyes to see, you would see me even in the dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I love that he he does know exactly like that little thing for each of us. Yeah. For me, it's yeah, deer. Yeah. For me, it's deer. Like over in oh, over in my okay. area. Like for instance, mm-hmm. the day before we're filming this, I was just going throughout my day and all of a sudden my dog starts barking, which they bark at everything, keeping in mind. And I look out the backyard and there's 12 deer going across my backyard. And wow. I love deer. They are like peaceful to me. I'm not one of those that's going out to shoot them or anything like that. I just love watching them in their I'm glad. Yeah. I, I just love watching them in their natural habitats and just running. And to me, that's peaceful. And, you know, it was just a little thank you, God, for showing me that and giving me the ability to see that, even though it was through my dog barking, which like I said, they bark at the wind. So <laughs> It was just something fun to see. So it's really cool that in you going through a rough time with the surgery, that he was still showing yeah. you his goodness and showing you that he was there through those little moments yeah. in the morning. So I, I've loved hearing about your story. I've loved hearing about how God has taken you from 18 to now and getting mm-hmm. to travel to all these countries and getting to do all these things. But most of all, I love hearing about what he's taught you. So mm-hmm. what, yeah. what would you encourage people with through what he has taught you to help them in their own journey and to dream brave?
1: I would say if God puts a little stirring in your heart, give it back to him and ask him, Lord, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? Mm -hmm. What am I supposed to do with this? Because so often I think when we have a little dream, we either dismiss it, uh, we tell ourselves, oh, it's too silly, or we embark on it and hustle and get into this anxious frenzy. Mm
0: -hmm. There are
1: two ways. And I think at every point, God just wants us to say, God, I surrender this dream to you. Mm -hmm. Whether you want me to work really hard for a season, to bring this to pass, or if you want me to actually surrender it, surrender those dreams and let you put to death what is not of you and to resurrect what is of you, I believe it's through that season of surrender, that willingness to let go, to lay down, that God will show us what it is that He really wants to do. And when we put our little dreams in the hands of a big God, who knows what miracles can happen? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen to all of that. Mm.
0: Where can people find you and where can they get your book today?
1: Ah, I am most active <laughs> on um my my Instagram. So mm-hmm. that's at Wai uh, Waija. It's T-A-M W A I N J I A. So that's my full name. Um my mm-hmm. last name comes first um, because I'm Asian (laughs) 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 or at least yeah I'm Chinese and um, my website is kitedreams.org k-i-t-e-d-r-e-a-m-s.org yeah that's where to find me
0: awesome I will put links to all of that in the show notes and I've absolutely I've been so encouraged by our conversation and I know other people will as well so go out, follow Gia, and also go out and get yourself a copy of her book. So again, thank you so much for joining me today, and I will talk to you guys next episode. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. I pray that each of you will take something from this episode, that you will be challenged, that you will be encouraged in your walk with God. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review so that other people can find this and other people can listen to the stories of God's redemption. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you next episode.